This is The Bayes Factor, a podcast about the people behind Bayesian statistics and other hot methodological issues in psychological research. In this first episode, you will hear the two creators of the podcast, Alex Eds and J.P. de Ruiter, interview and introduce each other and discuss the background of this podcast. Welcome to our new podcast, The Bayes Factor. I'm Alex Etz, and I'm joined with J.P. De... How do you say your name? De Ruiter. De Ruiter. And this is the first episode of our new series about Bayesian statistics. We'll have interviews with famous Bayesians and discuss issues and topics relevant to the behavioral sciences. So, Alex, how did we get this idea for a podcast? Yeah, so we... we about a year ago, we sort of started brainstorming about how we can do some more outreach about Bayesian stuff. I think it's really important, and I think that's the way the field is starting to turn. And we thought about doing a MOOC. Oh, yeah, we wanted to do a MOOC. We wanted to do a MOOC, right. um, an online course, if you don't know what a MOOC is. Uh, mm. it's, it's a series of videos and... And tests and, and, and tests and yeah. homework assignments. And, and it sounded like a bit more too much work, right? Yeah, it really did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but then we sort of, over the few months of brainstorming, we decided maybe we'll yeah. do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's that's sort of a little bit relaxed yeah. compared to a MOOC. Yeah, and it's uh, we don't have to really make course materials. And we can do interviews, which it, is That's great. right, yeah, that's right. And I really want to do some interviews with all these figures in the field that you know you see their work and you think oh my gosh i don't know if i could ever talk to this person because their work is so technical yes, and yes. and they write in such a way that i don't quite understand right. but that's so intimidating they are yeah it is intimidating yeah, yeah and so. but you so know we have to bring bays to the people yeah we're, that's right we're going to bring bays to the people that's yes. bays to the people uh yeah um and so JP, so why did we call it the Bayes Factor? Because we were trying to come up with names, and I was not very good at this. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not good at it either, but I thought it's kind of silly, but the Bayes Factor is, like, amb ambiguous, because it's mm. both... There is now a Bayes Factor, arguably, in psychology and behavioral sciences, with more and more people getting interested, like, hey, is it really true that you can compute probabilities with it instead of just other things? Right that are confusing and so it's kind of people talking about it so it's a factor yes but it's also the base factor as we will discuss in one of our uh, many episodes probably is also like one of the principal ways of doing Bayesian inference right so it's both a technical and a sociological uh, right that's and right. I think we just decided to go with the base factor because we couldn't think anything better yeah yeah it was hard to come up with a good pun yeah you know and Bayes yeah. doesn't really rhyme with all that much and no. well, yeah. So, and yeah and acronyms are silly so that's right yeah so that's the yeah so we are the base factor basically yes we plan to interview people such as Zoltan Dines, Eric Jan Wagenmakers, Jeff Rauder and many others to show to our listeners that there really is a human behind every Bayesian yeah so we prepared some general questions for every of our guests uh, so before we go into the specifics of their work, 
we will have some general questions for everyone. And we thought we'd use this episode to answer these questions for ourselves. Yeah. So let's start. Um, Alex, where do you come from? Well, I was born in Austin, Texas. Wow. Yeah. Um, you can tell by my accent. Not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which you might think by my name, I'm German. Yeah, I thought you were German yeah. when, we, when we met on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you even sent me German phrases as uh, jokes. Yeah, I thought you would get them. No, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, how could you? You were from Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Texas also. And uh, were your parents also academics? No, no. My parents are in the furniture business. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they are uh, in Texas. You know, leather furniture is a big old business, and so they're basically competitors of IKEA. Uh, no, they're a little nicer. Huh. Yeah, they're um, sort of higher end. Okay. Yeah, but no, not academics at all. No. And no one else in my... Well, I have an uncle who's a professor okay. um, of chemistry. Yeah. But, yeah, no, not many people in my fa my family, uh, extended family, are really in academia now. Okay, well, that's interesting. Mm. So, and where do you work now? Now I am in uh, my second year of my PhD at UC Irvine, California Irvine, mm -hmm. um, which, if you don't know the geography of the great state of California. It's south of LA, but north of San Diego. This is the area which is famous for having annoyingly good weather all the time, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah sunny, yeah. sunny California. As you keep rubbing in every time that it's like minus 20 in Boston. Oh yes, yeah. And you were on the phone and say, yeah, we have nice weather here. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Um, do you have any other out of science hobbies or quirks that you want to share with the listeners well some i don't want to share with the <laughs> listeners but, uh one that i would it's share is that we I don't have a rated is i no i do acro yoga in my uh every week i go to a, a class on acro yoga what, what, what is that yoga in the water no it's um it's like a mix between Oh, how to describe it. So you have like partners or threes or multiple people doing this together and you um, like someone will be, you know, on their back with their feet up in the air and someone will climb onto their feet and get into a posture and then you might transition to another pose and it's almost like a performance. Wow, uh, I had eventually. no idea. Yeah. So Are there videos of this? Uh, there are a few, a few on Facebook. Um, oh, okay. But they, so the idea was, we actually started this as a group of grad students. Um, one of the other grad students joined me in my first year in my cohort. She was very into this and she convinced us all to go do a class. Uh -huh. And I was a late adopter, but people kept saying how fun it was. And so. Okay, so you do it for fun, not for health or spiritual reasons? No. Yeah, okay. just for fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you have performances or sometimes you do, do like... Uh, we aren't at the point where we would perform yet. <laughs> we we perform for each other, I guess. Okay. Um, That's cool. Yeah, but it's pretty fun. It, so I've gotten much more flexibility since I started this. 
So, yeah. I, so in that sense, yeah, it is a little bit well, of Well, that happens thing. with the yoga, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. sort of an unavoidable yeah. side effect. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, JP, though, where are you from? Yeah, I'm originally from the Netherlands. Mm. Although not really, because I grew up in all kinds of countries because my family was traveling all the time. What were you traveling for? My father worked at Shell as an uh, as a geologist. He was looking for oil, basically. Ah. And the Shell has the habit of sending people everywhere. And I actually lived in the Netherlands for two years during that period, but that was just an accident. <laughs> and of course, I uh, learned Dutch from my parents and went to mostly to Dutch schools. Uh, but I didn't see any TV, which turned out to be an interesting uh, cultural uh, oh. source of information that I missed when I came to yeah, live in the Netherlands. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so, so that's, uh, but I, I am Dutch. and. Uh, but then that would mean, so your dad was in, worked for Shell. Yeah. What did your mom do? She was a school teacher, but uh, uh, she actually, in Shell, it was in those days common that, uh, yeah, that uh, the, the women would accompany their husbands oh. uh, on the job and at home so that I was uh, but she did all kinds of stuff on the side she had a museum that she managed in africa and oh wow indonesia no in africa she was a nurse for helping people get healthy and in indonesia she was in a worked in a museum so she was busy enough wow that's incredible yeah and now you are at where uh i'm now at tufts university in the boston area mm. yeah. and when did you start there a year ago. A year ago. Uh, yeah. Where were you before then? Before that, I was at the uh, famous University of Bielefeld in Germany. Bielefeld. Yes. Uh, Rumored not to really exist. Yes. That is like a joke that is uh, actually most people from Bielefeld get very tired of uh, of this. I'm uh, sure. It's almost a meta phenomenon. It's more funny than the joke itself. Uh, so anyone from Bielefeld always like to say from Bielefeld and then any German in the room would say, ah, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and then we go, yes, yes, that's, that's <laughs> 265 times now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, usually to get over it quickly, we just acknowledge that it doesn't exist ah, and I leave the, the joker to solve the paradox. Okay, and I see. That's funny. Yeah, because y we first met in Bielefeld that's in person, true. right? Yes, because so I wanted uh, you to give a talk. Yes, yes. Mm. I was in the Netherlands visiting right. uh, EJ. Eric yes. Um, yes. Yeah, but okay, so do you have any hobbies outside of academia? Yeah, I've uh, well two that are pretty salient. I am willing to talk about them. <laughs> okay. uh, the one is my, my, my biggest passion is photography. I've been photographing uh, passionately since I was seven, basically. Mm. stealing my father's reflex camera and then when I was nine I could explain the camera to my father and then it went off from there. What drew you to photography? I have no idea. I mean, no. first of all, as a kid, I thought like, this is fantastic. There's something I can see and if I use this little box, I press it and then out comes the picture of what I saw. And for me, that was magic. So yeah. basically what drew me was the magic. Of course, that time I was like the worst possible plastic shit camera in the world. Okay. So I started nagging my parents on my birthday mainly, like I wanted a better camera. Mm. And so, so when I was 14, I worked in a hospital for six weeks to buy a real camera, a reflex camera in 76 huh? and, or 78. And um, then, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, well, there were phases that I didn't do much, but it has always been my greatest passion. Did you ever consider going professional photographer or? Yes, for six months, no, six weeks I was oh. actually a oh. professional photographer. But wow. then I realized it's much more fun to have it as a hobby. Mm, I see. 
So yeah, and then what 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 I now actually I, I like to photograph people. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest. So in that sense, it's a challenge. Right. Yeah, you did a headshot for me. Oh yeah, uh, that was a few months ago. Yes, in Boston. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was really nice. I've never had a, fo- a photo that looked that good. Well, it was a hard one because the conditions were oh it was, okay. very adverse. It was hard uh, to make my face look good. I guess no, it was <laughs> the, it was that was very dark and rainy. And oh, you yeah. were standing in the rain. Yeah. Uh, no, that people are are the biggest challenge. But I also love to make photos of well, what normal people would consider ugly architecture, and I call interesting architecture. Ah, okay. There's a lot of it here in Coventry, actually. Hmm. Did you ever do any um, landscape photography or nature yeah, photography? Yeah, I, I did. As a as a teenager, I did a lot of landscape, but it turned out to be a little bit boring. I ended up photographing walls a lot because I'm fascinated by walls. And Interesting. And yes, my parents considered uh, checking me into a mental hospital until I <laughs> convinced them that I was otherwise okay. Ah. But I still photograph walls a lot. That explains uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And my other uh, mu- sort of uh, more relaxed hobby is, is singing and playing guitar. Oh. Usually at the same time. When did you start playing guitar? 12, I think. Oh, 12. 11. Oh. Yeah. And I had the classical training, but then I and discovered the joys of folk music and country and western. Mm. So uh, nice. then, then I never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so actually the music uh, I like to play is more from where you come from. Mm, yes, very nice. And you still play. We have another band. That, uh, we have just started a band at Tufts University, really? psychology department. What's your name? The Bad Hombres. The Bad Hombres. Oh, very good. Yeah. Because oh. uh, when we're looking for a name, it was just after President, now President Trump. No, then, yeah, then already President Trump talked about the Bad Hombres. Ah. And you thought, that's a great name that's for a band. That's just a great name <laughs> for a band. Uh, what else do you want? I see. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah, so um, now that has been cleared up, uh, Alex, uh, this is a question I really like to ask anyone on our podcast, uh, and it's an honor for me to ask you as the first person. Uh-huh. What was the first time you heard of Bayesian statistics? Wow. Uh, the first time I heard about Bayesian statistics would have been in, oh, must have been late 2013 or early 2014. Um, I think it was in response. So this was right around the new statistics movement. Ah. Um, I had sort of gotten into this with um, reading Jeff Cummings' book. Okay. Um, yeah, which I was sort of focused on confidence intervals. Yeah, and stuff estimation, like, yeah. And meta-analysis, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I, I f- found out that I really liked um, studying this material, basically, and... Um, I got to the end of his book and I saw he published this paper in APS, uh, Psych Science, Mm -hmm. and it was sort of his editorial about it. And then I guess a couple of weeks or months later, a a paper came out on a a commentary paper Uh that uh, E.J. Wagenmachers and Richard Mori and Mm -hmm. a few others were on. Um, The usual suspects. Yeah, yeah, the usual suspects. they were on and they sort of said, yes, well, this is all very good, but you could do all of this and more if you just adopt a, a Bayesian framework. Okay. And I had never heard that term <laughs> before. <laughs> I, I was, you know, a complete uh, ignoramus about this. Um, but then, so I, I, I was reading this and I thought, wow, I have no idea what this is. 
I, I didn't really understand any of it. I, d- I couldn't quite grasp what they were saying. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I sent EJ, Wagamackers, an email. And I said, I can't, I, I can't find this email. I, I should look for it. But mm-hmm. um, it was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I read your paper about Bayesian stuff and... How can I? What what should I read to learn more about this? Basically, um, and he sent me a link to his paper, his 2007. Oh, that one. The the pervasive problems of p-values paper. He made the irresistible alliteration. Yes. Yeah. Um, a pra- oh yeah, it was a practical solution <laughs> yeah, to, to the, the pervasive problem of p-values. p-values. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And um, and I read that, and I sort of didn't understand it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I I kept trying, and then <laughs> and then I sent him another email, and I said, "Ah, oh, yes, I've read this. What should I read next?" And I'm sure I was very annoying. Uh, and he says, "You should read this book by Richard Royal." And ah. I said, "Oh, great! Yeah, I'll go pick it up from the library." But it turns out that it was a, an extremely technical text at first for my level, yeah. uh, with lots of Greek symbols and lots of notations I didn't understand. Uh, but but sort of once you ignore all of that, the message was very good, uh, and it sort of summarized the classical paradigms. Um, it sort of criticized them, um, yeah. and then it presented wha- what's really known as the the likelihood approach. I think yeah. it's called. The book was a likelihood paradigm or something right. like, something like this. Um, isn't it? Isn't it weird that uh, he he recommend AJ recommended the book, same book to me, and I was reading it. I'm like, this is amazing because he's actually recommending a book that is not. It's actually against Bayesian statistics. Yeah, yeah. The last chapter of the book is yeah, is, like is a sort of s- three pages on why the author doesn't like Bayesian yeah, statistics, yeah. but the rest of it is so good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and I can understand why. And it's uh, so yeah. Uh, but that really says something. If EJ, this arch Bayesian, is recommending a book that. Yeah, yeah, he's so confident. He he just gives <laughs> you books from the enemy camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, um, but then, so at this point in my life, I was graduated from my undergraduate. I had just been as out it happens. As it happens, because um, uh, I graduated in 2013 in psychology. In psychology, yeah, I studied psychology, um, and I was working as a lab manager in another. Mm. Developmental lab group, right. cognitive developmental lab, and um, in my spare time, I was reading all this crazy statistics stuff that I found much more interesting than my <laughs> lab work. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, for the next couple of years, I just read everything I could read. And what what attracted you to it? What what made you go into it so much? I don't know, honestly, because I didn't. Th- that's the crazy thing is I didn't really understand it. When I was reading, you I must w- have had a reason to go on in in it. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. So, I sort of came across this Jeff Cummings book because I had I was running sort of experiments, and we had run a couple of replication studies that were not successful, mm-hmm. and we had done. I had run a replication of this study. Someone else in the lab had done. An replication of the study all identical basically uh and we had all found basically the same 
you know, not significant results. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't let it go that that I had just wasted all this time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, so you couldn't actually publish anything about them, right? Because yeah, what can you, you say? couldn't do yeah. anything about it. And we had, I think, four replications of the yeah. exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was reading, I was just sort of reading all this stuff about statistics and methods, and I read this Jeff Cummings book about meta-analysis and. When you actually meta-analyze all the studies, they come out with a significant p-value. So I thought, oh, this must be, you know, it got me to the promised mm. land. So I thought, <laughs> it, I thought it was a very good thing. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's sort of bizarre, I think, that I ended up studying this because yeah. I wasn't particularly any good at it <laughs> at first. <laughs> I think nobody is. No, yeah, well, it's a little confusing. And what about you, JP? Oh, yeah. Well, this was like I had, well, for a large part of my scientific career, never heard of it. Basically, never. Never heard of Bayesian? Well, the word Bayesian? Bayesian or? No, Bayes. I mean, I, I just knew Bayes' conditional probability theorem. Mm. Uh, that was ju- I would just use that if I needed a conditional probability. I didn't know, I didn't know there was a statistics like, associated with yeah. it. What happened with me is I was, I was in Bielefeld, and uh, my wife, Laura de Ruiter, uh, she was also a scientist in Bielefeld and she was working on something related to Bonferroni corrections and, mm. and, and stumbled onto Gelman. And then Gelman had a, a reference to EJ's Wagemakers 2007 paper. So she looked that up and read it. And then she knew that I was always sort of ranting about the paradoxes in st- what I was thinking is called statistics at the time. Yes. All these these weird things with p values that, that uh, yeah once you've decided to do thirty subjects and you can't run less you can't run more and if it's as you said if it's if it's not significant then you wasted your time right or or even people who didn't want to have anything something significant because then it wasn't true so they just run fewer subjects uh-huh. and I was like always like there's something wrong here and freely ranting about that. and of course Laura knew this so she said JP you should read this paper ah. really do. And uh, so he sent me the paper, and like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Never heard of Wagenmakers. And he was like, okay, pervasive problems of p-values. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. So I was like digging in, and as you were, as the same as with you at the first, I was like, ah, <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Yes. But he, the good thing, I mean, it, it's a hard paper, but it, the good thing is it's all there. So if you if you just go slow, you you f- you somehow work your way through. You do get this perspective on a new kind of doing statistics, which avoided all these silly things that I'd been frustrated about for, let me think, 25 years. Mm. Or so, oh, something like that, yeah, 25 years. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so there were alternatives. I didn't even know that the stuff I knew was called frequentist until I read that paper. Oh, really? It I was just, just statistics. Yes, yeah, statistics. Like, what do you mean? Test two or even three, right? You know, and I read a royal book that you mentioned. Oh yes, like oh, you can also do likelihood without marginalizing. Okay, yeah, mm, oh, oh. Mm. and uh, and but I was totally sold, and uh, I, I had my uh, problems in the beginning. So what I did, uh, with basically, I called up Erik uh, Jan and said, "Can you give a course?" Oh yes. So he came and he said yes, very Back generously. Back when people still called? No, I think at first he gave a talk, I think, yes. Oh. And then later I asked him uh, to give a course. When was this? 2010. 2010. Pretty sure. 
And so then I organized uh, some funding and uh, uh, with SciTech, the Institute, the Robotics Institute at uh, at Bielefeld. And uh, yeah, that was that was nice. It was like ten students, and I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we went through the book by him and Lee. Mm-hmm. And that uh, book was out by then. Was it an yeah. early version? Maybe it was uh, the early PDF yeah. or something. Okay. There was something. Uh, yeah, it was a document then still, but they used it. Okay. And uh, we used Windbugs, and and it was a great course, and we got to know each other and and became friends. And uh, uh, the more I I read about it. Uh, uh, I even read it on my holidays and everything. Oh know. yeah, people asking me, so do they get each other? But I was reading, technically. Oh, <laughs> like know. a romance. Yeah, yes. and uh, I was sort of obsessed for a while. Like all my spare time, I read about it because I same. Just, yeah, it was like there's this all there's like you suddenly there's a new world that goes like it was oh, an epiphany. Yeah, it's like oh you can look at data like that. It was like the same as when I realized I like I'm an atheist. I was like my entire world yeah. has changed. Yeah, you know exactly. It's like, um, and then yeah, I did have some problems yeah. with some aspects of it, of as everybody seems to have with a prior. Like, what is this? You mm. you always train that you can't do that, and then you suddenly somebody basically like EJ or someone else basically shoves under your nose. Well, if you don't want to do it, you can't do the c- probability thing that you wanted to do. So right. it's like an assumption, and like okay, but still had to take some time to get used to it. And uh, and then I was lost, and then uh, I just suddenly just uh, maybe it's the same as when you turn uh, and you switch religion, and you just think like, oh, how could people have used that all the time? You know, yeah. it's just like you almost feel like I have to tell them. I have to tell. I everyone. have to go yes. tell the yeah. world. Yes, that's that's it. Let's let's just go uh, go knock on doors yeah. and say, yeah, you you maybe you should try this statistics. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I did. I started a blog. Yeah, so well, I, you I have to tell people great about blog. this. Uh, uh, yes, you know? and uh, yeah. That's that's so that's how I got into it. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, your blog, Alex. Um, what is it called again? It's yeah. called. Oh my gosh, what is it called? The Eds Files. The Eds. Yeah, that's right. The Eds Files. The Eds Files yeah, yeah, there was no good pun besides because Eds. My last name doesn't really rhyme with that much. It sort of can take the place of X, the letter X. Okay. Um, I never realized that. Yeah, so it's after the show, the the X Files. Oh, I never saw that one. Mm-hmm. Wow, glad glad we talk about this. <laughs> I just saw the X Files. Yeah, he's called X. Why not? But I never realized that there's a link to the X Files. Yeah, I liked watching that as oh, a kid. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I did too. Yeah, yeah. Although I was always a bit frustrated that it never never ended somehow. There was never a conclusion. Right. Well, they've just come back. They just yeah. did a, a re. Uh, Revamp, I guess, or, or they are different actors. I'm no, assume. I think they got the original actors. Wow! Yeah, okay. I, there was some controversy over salary inequality and. Okay, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. It was in the news. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. So the ads, fi- man, that I missed that. That is really silly. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I love it. It's a great blog. With you, Thanks. you're very good at explaining things there. And you have a, a thing that you uh, on there, which is called the eight steps. It sounds a bit like an alcoholics program. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> yeah, is yeah, it like actually? Uh, can, you, can you tell about that? Yeah. So the the eight steps is a uh, well the so okay. So I started with this blog, and I wrote these tutorials. And people seemed to like this. It was sort of the zeitgeist of Bayes was culminating, right. and, and I was a resource for this. Um, and then now my now advisor, Joachim, 
Van mm-hmm. Dekkerkroff, if that's how I, I still don't know how to say his name correctly. He's well, Belgian. Yeah, so like I can't pronounce his name either. Van de Kerkhove. But in, in, in standard Dutch, you would say Van de Kerkhove. Yeah, okay. Uh, actually, that was more Flemish than standard Dutch, uh, but I hope he'll forgive me for that. Probably not. Okay. Um, no, but uh, so he sort of uh, and a few others have been organizing this special issue in... Um, Psychonomic Bulletin and Review right. that is about Bayesian statistics. Mm-hmm. So introductory articles, case studies, um, mm-hmm. sort of software tutorials, all these things. Right. Um, and he had this idea that wouldn't it be a good idea for a bunch of PhD students to get together and write about how they got into it. Mm. Like what, what articles did they find useful and okay. accessible? Okay. Um, and so, uh, so it ended up being uh, me, uh, Fabian de Blander, Peter Ellsbrunner, um, Quentin Granau, and Beth Barrybalt, who uh, mm-hmm. she's also at Irvine. Mm-hmm. Um, the others are sort of all over Europe, um, mm-hmm. and we just all started an email chain and said, okay, well, what did you read that you found useful? <laughs> yeah. What did you read that you could understand? What, what was difficult? What was hard? Um, and you ordered them, right? Into like... we s- Yeah, we sort of like ranked them. Ranked like them. Uh, uh, like we gave them ratings, basically. So, so we said, this one's hard. This technical, one's non-technical. Yeah, sort of applied, theoretical. Funny, not funny. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good dimension. <laughs> um, but then we, um, we just sort of... S- Set on a eight that we thought were very good, four sort of theoretical right. and four mm-hmm. more applied. Okay, and we started with the easiest ones and we built our way up and we wrote this annotated summary right. of these papers. Like, okay, okay if you're going to read this paper by Lindley, nineteen ninety three, this is what you should take away from it. Oh, well, that's very helpful, right? Yeah, so we sort of summarize. We say, you know, you might not have understood this part means x mm. right this is what he's referring to something oh, like this well, that's um, incredibly helpful yeah and we go through like um, you do that with the very technical ones as well well yeah it's sort <laughs> of it's, it's sort of harder with those because you sort of have to if you're writing for a very general audience you sort of have to assume that they're not that interested in the technical technical details mm. um but you know we sort of try to explain what exactly you know different concepts are that they're referencing um, so we go through like the Jeff Rauder's Bayesian t-test paper, and um, that's all the technical side. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> that that one's pretty technical. Um, the Anova paper is even worse. Y- well, yeah, don't uh, if mm. you're if you're just starting, do not tackle the Bayesian Anova paper. It's so here's a good take-home message: if you want to get started in Bayes, look at the ads files. We will link to it and uh, read the. The manual you basically wrote for the eight steps. How to so become a Bayesian in eight easy steps. Easy that's steps. The title. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I forgot the easy. Yeah. 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 That's, that's hopefully hopefully not too difficult. But we also add an appendix with a lot of uh, extra sources. If you want to read more, you know, yeah, if you wanted the hard, we way. make a, a sort of a grid plot of yeah. you know easy versus difficult and hard or technical versus mm-hmm. or theoretical versus applied. So it's like a the okay. lower quadrant, if you want easy theoretical. Great, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, category. That's sort great. of a spatial representation of the the literature that we Fantastic. like. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Do you find yourself teaching bays much? I mean, well, I've I've just started doing that. I was mm -hmm. at the beginning a bit reluctant because if I teach something, I would like to understand it at least reasonably well. Yeah, you would hope. And uh, so, so that's why the first I don't know seven years I didn't teach it. But then I started. Now I started. I had a very fun course at Tufts, which was experimental methods for computer scientists. Mm. So I thought, well, this is the w the moment to try it because uh, computer science students, grad students, have a good technical background, and their Tufts as, as uh, Tufts grad students are really good. So I thought that they won't be scared of a few uh, theoretical concepts or formula. Sure. Uh, it still turned out to be really hard mm. to to teach it. Um, so I basically said you can um, you can choose. Uh, you do an experiment. You you guys have to do the statistics for that. Because it was like experimental methods in a condensed uh, and statistics in a sort of a condensed course. Ah. And I said, well, you can do it the, the standard way, which we call frequentist, uh, fine, or the Bayesian way. It's your choice. But if you do it frequentist, I want you to adhere to the principles of frequentist statistics. Okay. So you can't get away with any nonsense there, like it's not significant, therefore it's not there or something. Oh you have sure. to do it right. Mm -hmm. Or you do it Bayesian, which is a bit, bit more work to understand, but you don't have those paradoxes to deal with. Mm -hmm. And some students chose, it was like a relatively nice split between people. There was one student who already knew Bayesian oh. machine learning, so he surprised me by using methods that I never even had heard of, so I had to do some homework to correct his homework. <laughs> I see. Um, but, uh, but, and there were, there were a few students who were really uh, interested in the idea. Mm. Did, so did you find it difficult to sort of teach the material or? I don't understand what this, this was what we should ask our, our interviewees as well. Uh, so it looks plausible, but I've never known anyone who does the experiment that it would make sense to basically start with Bayes. Hmm. You know, if you had a choice, and then say, well, there is this other thing called frequentism, and they do it like this. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me that it might be easier because you don't have this three this this flip flopping of the reversing the logic three times before you end your conclusion, which confused me as a student of standard statistics. Yes. It's like okay, so you basically you want to say x, but so you pose non x, and then you try to collect evidence, and then the if non-x is true, it's unlikely to find this, so therefore x is true. And, like, uh, and uh, all the students, not me only, uh, uh -huh. everyone was like, wait a second, and you see people making gestures like left and right and reversing and <laughs> turning upside <laughs> down, like, uh, what was it again? Uh -huh. And you end up all having the wrong idea of what significance means. So mm. it, it looks like it's, it's like a didactical disaster, frequent mm -hmm. statistics. But I have no idea what would happen if you would just start teaching Bayes. I don't know anyone who's tried to start there. And also kind of cruel because since 98% of the literature, if, if, if not more, is basically done with frequent. So you want your students to understand frequentists. Yeah, statistics. if only so that they can follow what's going yeah. on. Uh, so, so it's kind of a, a paradox that I can't resolve, basically. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting to, have a, to run a trial, you know? Pick a department somewhere and go, all right, yeah, we we're, gonna we're just going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're just yeah. going to try it. You know. Random random design. Yeah, but I mean, it is important, you know. There's lots of principles that if you study, well, I guess the, there are mo the more technical frequentist classes that are still fairly useful. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these large sample limit rules and mm. uh, all this stuff that frequentists rely on because all of their... Uh, 
they are always appealing to uh, what happens when n gets very very big, right? Because their sampling distributions become normal distributions. Right, right. right. Yeah, they they, they kind of heavily rely on the central limit theorem. They really, right? yeah, they really. Which, do. Is which is a which can be a very confusing topic. Yes. Uh, yes. Because there are multiple central limit theorems right. out there, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, which I recently learned due to Twitter that it's it's the central limit theorem with the if you were to put a oh hyphen, yeah it would be it's, it's a ambiguous. it's a limit theorem it's the most important one yeah it's not the central limit it's that not is the central theory. limit that we're talking about <laughs> no, it's no, this no. is the central <laughs> limit theorem yes right I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, no that's right i never made that connection but i realized my my math insightful. teachers in when i did math at chemistry in nijmegen uh, always said uh, uh confusing the hell out of the chemistry she was like well, don't worry, most things in nature are normally distributed. Oh, But he didn't explain why. It was only later that I found out you just add a bunch of stuff of variables. Right. They always end up being yeah. normally distributed. You keep adding something to yeah. something else to something and else, and eventually normally. it becomes normal. Yeah, but, but he was always making fun of us because he knew that and we didn't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's, uh, but it's, it's kind of hard. And I actually, to be honest, I found it sometimes easier to teach the frequentist statistics. Mm. So there must be some didactical example. Uh, it's 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 like the sampling stuff is easy to explain. It's easy to explain also but the, the with simulations too. Now the simulations you know, now is you can just yeah. generate random data and look at the distribution and then right see where your point is. Right. I mean that's yeah. very intuitive yeah. to people. Now. Yeah, but but it's the inference to the reality. I think that is harder to explain. Yes. It's like yes. yeah, the so logic it's like of it. It's all. like really the reverse of it. Someone called it reverse probability. Right? Was it Fisher or something? Um, I don't know. Someone said it's reverse probability. Mm. And I was like, no, no, no. Your stuff is the reversed one. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, they used to call Bayesian stuff inverse probability. That's it. Yeah, yes. yeah. And like, what is inverse about it? It's just probability. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's that the teaching. I, I'll be working on that for the rest of my life, probably, of how to teach it and, and, <laughs> yeah. and how to use it, too. Yeah, yeah so I'm finding that um, I've been asked to do a few um, workshops on this at this point. And... Right. Um, Starting with sort of keeping everything graphical, like a graphical explanation of everything. I have always having a picture oh, to like refer these, to. Like these videos. And uh, these videos. What are they called uh, that we shared recently? These. Uh, oh, the um, the essence of calculus, calculus. and essence yes. of linear algebra. These are these are very geometric yeah. exp explanations of very we basic concepts. We will link concepts. to them as well. Yeah, we'll link really? to those as well. Yeah, They're yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, always having some sort of picture or make an animation if you can, or you know, if you um, mm -hmm. if you're simulating draws from something, show the histogram building up over time. Oh right? yeah, so yeah. stuff no, like it, this. It makes and it alive. Yeah, yeah, it sort of brings it to reality, right? It's not just this formula mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, keep doing this stuff in the ads files, right? Yeah, please. Yeah. That was yeah, that was one of the things that I sort of I think people really liked at first was I. Right. I made either yes. pictures or or Animation. graphics that yes. the the animated uh, gifs that I made with uh, a few different posts, but right. um, yeah, people sort of went wild for that stuff. It was well, it is really helpful. There's this guy was he has a pseudonym R R Hacker or something. R Psychologist. Hacker Psychologist. Yeah, Christopher Magnus. Yes, yes, he made fantastic animations. His animations are incredible. Well. We'll link to those as well. There's and we'll interview him. That would be great. Yeah. yeah, if he wants to come on. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. That is like they're so compelling. These, yeah, these, these ah, they're incredible. Yeah. I wish I had the ability to program. Yeah, the graphics. Like yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. They're amazing. just 
so yeah. nice yeah okay we'll link to all of that definitely yeah. definitely yeah so that brings us to the uh, end of this uh, yeah i think episode. that's a good place to stop We've been gushing about our favorite animators, so... Yeah, so uh, I wanted to mention that we are actually in Coventry or yeah. Warwick. Warwick. Uh, uh, somewhere, somewhere in between. In it's, it's kind of UK. vague. But Warwick, Coventry <laughs> at the University of Warwick. Yes. Where we are visiting, or actually not visiting, the uh, Mathematical Psychology Conference. Right, well, we have ducked Snuck out of it yeah, to, ducked out to, to, record to record this. this. Yes. yes. Um, and our next episode will be an interview with Zoltan Dines. Yes, we'll be down in Brighton right for that. Now, if we reach Brighton, because if I remember, there were some problems with the trains. It's Southern Rail, and then ah. there's a guy on Twitter always complaining that it's never going. So we have. Okay. if we're lucky, we will be That's in Brighton. That's right. If we're lucky, we'll get to Zoltan. Yes. Uh, which then, is uh, Brighton is south of London. Yeah, mostly I nearer the water. Near, near yes, the near water. the water, yeah. and also I think west of it. Yeah, something like this. Yeah, so um. it's a famous city with a pier, and uh, right. Uh, we uh, we look forward to that. Uh, yeah, that should be really fun. I love his work. Yes, H his too. book was one of the big influences on me. He's very charming and very convincing and very uh, compelling. Yes, yes. So well, uh, all right. I think that's it for us today. You can find this podcast and all the background information mentioned in it on the Tufts High Lab website at sites.tufts.edu slash hilab slash podcast or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at the base factor. We want to thank Sol Albert and Laura de Ruiter for their technical support, Sotaro Kita from Warwick University for generously letting us use his lab for several interviews, the Cognition and Individual Differences Lab at UC Irvine for their financial support, and Theo Fosse for creating the music for this podcast.